Welcome to Left Foot. We invite fresh conversation on business development. Now here's your host, Nicole Giantonio. Hello, listeners. It's Nicole Giantonio, the founder of Left Foot, and I'm here to announce that our 12 audio-based business development challenges are now available. 12 practical, execution-oriented steps to predictable success. Part of the Left Foot GPS growth practice solutions for business development. Go to leftfoot.com GPS for details. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Left Foot. For our first episode of 2018, we are featuring four women associates from the Goodwin Private Equity and Mergers and Acquisitions business. We're pleased to share their perspective on business development and taking on these responsibilities at the firm. I'll introduce each associate as we present highlights from their interview, starting with second-year associate Serena Shi. Serena's strategy for business development and client retention is spot on, as is her outlook when it comes to taking on these responsibilities formally as a partner. The three top personal strengths that I can think of, as a junior lawyer especially, are the following. The first one would be responsiveness. Now, as lawyers, we talk about work-life balance a lot. And the fact that to think that we will be on call sort of 24-7 sounds a draconian expectation. However, personally, though, I, I don't think that... To be on call 24-7 means necessarily that you'll be working 24-7. It does not mean that you'll sacrifice work-life balance. It does mean, however, that you should be ready to jump into a situation when the call of duty strikes. I think it's very helpful if you can change your perspective and think if a legal issue is bothering your client, shouldn't it be your job to try to fix it to make your client's life easier? And the sooner you're able to do so, the sooner you help yourself breathe a little easier too. I think it's really key to be available to your client, to be available to deliver good service at a moment's notice, as your client, frankly, often do themselves in their respective business worlds. And the second point I want to raise is the ability to engage in teamwork effectively. Law practice to me is really an apprenticeship. And deal lawyers like myself in particular work as a team on any given project. It really is, in essence, a a team sport. And one cannot be a superstar in this business without the support of others. Finally, the last one I want to raise is consistency, because none of the qualities that you have matters if they cannot be delivered with sufficient consistency to the client. All these qualities are particularly true, in my opinion, at the junior level, because someone like myself am not yet in a position to outshine your competitors at providing sophisticated legal advice. But you can be available. You can be a good team player and you can do your best at delivering consistency work product. Those are really strong points. And I love the one about changing your perspective and the fact that being available and being able to assist is not meaning you're working 24-7. That's a great way to look at it. Fantastic way to work at look at it. 
Are there specific things that you have seen that either the partners you're working with or the partners on the other side of an opportunity, possibly even with client interactions, are there things that you've seen in the business development sphere, either with client retention or presenting ideas for new business, either through pitches or through business discussions? Were there best practices that you either have adopted or you'll be adopting down the road to really help with your business development? in the future? I think two main things that come to mind. One is I think it's important to maintain a personal touch in any interaction with your client without compromising the professional image, of course. The legal world is a very competitive space. It's not enough, in my view, to sell your offering based on the excellency of your legal skills because there are other firms and other individuals out there who arguably can offer the same level of service in terms of legal competency. However, in the event that you connect very well and with your client on a personal level, that is something that will carry on throughout many years with the same client or with different individuals at the client firm if you manage it well. And I've seen many senior level partners at my current firm. Each has a very different individual style, but each has a way of attracting clients and keeping them because of their individual quirks. So that's one thing. The other thing is the ability to build and keep a dynamic team that works for you and work for your client. It is not enough to be the one Superman for your practice. You really need a strong team behind you to be able and willing and available to deliver quality service at all times in all matters for your clients. So I would say it is the personal touch and the strong team behind you that really differentiates good partners that with a strong client base versus those who aspire to be. As you look ahead, attaining that partnership responsibility, there's something that we hear about the Valley of Despair. It's the new partner that's a year and a half, two years in and realizes that the other partners are not calling to get them to be part of their team. They're a partner, they have a higher bill rate, they really do have a responsibility to go out and acquire clients on their own. They're calling it the Valley of Despair because most people are not prepared for it. In your particular case, you know, what do you see? down the road as what you'll be doing differently to make sure that you are bringing in new clients to your firm and being a, a resource for clients to your firm? You know, what things, what skills, what activities will you be adding to your work life? Ideally, the way I envision this is it really shouldn't be an abrupt change in that the day prior to you making partner, you consider yourself a senior associate that has no partnership responsibilities, whereas the day after, all of a sudden, you're a partner and you're supposed to bring in clients. In my view, it should really be a gradual process. And the more senior you are, the more marketable you are to clients and the, the more outreach you should start doing as your seniority increases within the law firm. For me, as a junior associate, I think the lowest maintenance item that I can do is to keep existing contact. For example, I said that I was originally a business school student. I have many ex-classmates who are now in various areas in the business world who will 
most likely become senior level principals at their respective organizations or other organizations within the business world in five to 10 years. It would be too late for me to reach out to them out of the blue at that time to say, hi, I am a senior associate at A, B, and C. Do you want to do business with me? Do you have anything for me that I can help you with? That would be too late and that would be inorganic and it's completely unnecessary. The very easy thing that I can do today to keep those relationships, partly for future references, but also for fun. These are existing friendships that you really should not be giving up on just because you say, oh, I'm working this many hours a month. I really don't have time for you. Whereas 10 years from now, you realize I really should have spent that time 10 years ago so that I don't have to scramble for work today. And now a word from our sponsor, Nicole here, and a shout out and thank you for tuning in to the Left Foot Podcast. Are you looking to energize your business development efforts? Our 12 Left Foot Business Development Challenges will energize your efforts in three areas. Business Development Grit, tactical habits that lead to business development success, including networking, nailing your niche, how to focus and develop an expert reputation, commercial savoir-faire, a discussion on business and the revenue side of law. At Left Foot, we believe 20% of people are natural at business development, 10% say no to business development, and 70% are neutral and can adopt the skills necessary when presented in an organized, methodical way. To learn more and be challenged, go to the GPS page at leftfoot.com. Next up is third-year associate Mikkel Netanyahu. Mikkel shares an opinion on client FaceTime and hits it out of the park specific to understanding your client and building peer-to-peer relationships. When you're out in the field, when you're working with partners on business development, what have you seen that you were like, wow, that's a great approach and, and I definitely want to emulate that? And then, of course, the opposite. What have you seen that probably you would have done something differently? If you could provide some examples, that would be very helpful. Watching even observing how the partners I work with communicate with clients, how even naturally it comes for them. It's very helpful in thinking about what, what I want to look like like when I'm a partner and in terms of what I'd like to be doing differently I feel like in this day of age so much is done through conference calls over the phone or via email throughout the deal and I think this may be even more extreme in New York City where even if a client is based a couple of blocks from us we'll still end up having a call with them in the interest of time rather than a face-to-face meeting personally I'd like to see more personal interaction throughout the deal rather than what we sometimes call a blind date um, at the closing dinner. If there's one thing I've, I've learned is that you could be a phenomenal lawyer and, and have all the legal skills in the world, but if you don't understand where your client is coming from, the timeline, the, the, the pace of the deal, the business considerations that your client is facing, you're, you're not going to be able to provide that full service to your client. People say, oh, I can't do that because I'm not experienced enough. Really, anyone who is working with a less experienced person or is communicating with a less experienced 
experienced person who has done their research on that person pretty much know you're less experienced. So you don't have to think, well, I can't go out there and try. There's an assumption that you have less experience. For a lot of clients, that would be the reason you're cheaper and you're available always. And so I found that a lot of clients were just putting me on the line, throwing me to the water, calling me constantly. Even when I didn't have the experience I have today, it kind of forced me into thinking about these issues, becoming less and less dependent on the partners I work with and thinking critically. And I, I, you know, I'm really happy about that. I would imagine that you're also dealing with peers at some of these, at least at the private equity firms, if not at, at their portfolio companies. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And the more junior people at the client level who I work directly with, directly across from now, when I make it, it's definitely a worthwhile investment. These are the people that will be my, hopefully my future clients and my source of business. I, my assumption is that they are more comfortable calling you. They're looking for information. They want to be able to explain it to someone again, who is more of a peer. There are a lot of different people who study law and who strive to work for AM200 firms, top firms, and not all of them are comfortable being out and talking with clients. Not all of them are comfortable with the business development side of it, knowing that at some point they're going to need to ask for business from those clients. Do you think extroverts can help introverts? Do you think that introverts can really work beyond that natural tendency and do strong business development? Do you have an opinion on that or do you feel that, hey, it's part of the job, you learn it like anything else? I think for some people, it definitely comes more naturally than others. Business development is about listening, is about paying attention, knowing who's on the other end of a conversation. You can't be overly extrovert with a person who's an introvert. That said, I think, and I see it all the time, that non-extroverts can and do develop extremely successful relationships with clients. I really think that just sensing who the person on the other side on the table is key. Up next is Simone Greenspan, a second-year associate. She reflects on business development best practices and the power of having a diverse group of role models. What have you observed specifically? that you think is a strong practice or one you would emulate? One anecdote that comes to mind was we were at a venture capital client was putting on a event for a bunch of financial tech startups. And there was a senior associate who I think of as a mentor there. We were chatting with different people. There was another venture capital fund that we were just talking to. I saw him, you know, again, I kind of stepped back. I saw him take the conversation from how great the COVID the, like, beast sliders were at this event. You know, then going into, you know, once he got more comfortable, once they built a rapport, you know, humbly but bluntly asked, who does your deal work? And he did it in a way that I thought was impressive. And the guy responded that it was another law firm. He instantly went into, you know, they're a great firm. But he was like, you know, who does your like fund formation work? I thought in that moment, like I've seen people take conversations towards a pitch. I saw him take it from his practice, what he does is deal work, but then saying, I'm at a law firm that does a variety of different practice areas and thinking that this guy has a need in a variety of different areas. And even if we don't bring him into, you know, the private equity group, maybe our funds formation folks can help him out. And like seeing where Goodwin as a firm could best add value. I was really impressed by that. And it's something that stuck with me that there's a next question beyond like, can I specifically help you or can my firm help you? 
So that was impressive. The ease of doing that in a way that's not uncomfortable for the person you're talking to. And I think by even saying, I'm really interested, who do you use today? They are a good firm. Are you happy with their work? Yes, we're quite happy. Oh, that's great. Glad to hear it. Tell me more. You know, I'd love to learn more about your business. As a young woman, especially when I started, I was very uncomfortable with this. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just felt so odd because I'm a conservative person and and to go out into a room full of people and try to sell to them was just not something I wanted to do. And I was like, there was no way I was spending my career doing it. And part of what for me would help was that I made it all about the company I represented not about me and the good work that the people at my company did. I'm the one delivering the message and asking the question wasn't about me personally. As a woman, do you think it's different to be in those kind of environments or do you think it's the same? Yeah, it's an interesting question and it's one that is hard to answer without feeling reductionist of like, you know, my experience is that of everyone's. The thing that's most different from my perspective and I guess in my opinion is for women is just seeing different role models, seeing the people above you. You know, like you said, like you were able to make it about the firm you were at opposed to your practice. You know, that was successful to you and that's something that I can identify with and could certainly see myself doing. Hearing from other women can be very powerful and hearing how they were able to bring in business and have a family and serve their clients really well and show up to soccer games all in one lifetime and have work-life balance. In the legal field, there's just less women partners and less women associates to pass down that advice. There's still just not as many women at the top that can explain their experiences in a way that's relatable for me. Having other women to go to, there's just not as many of them. Not that they have that many different experiences. I just think it's different for a young woman to look up to anybody. We conclude our episode with a few points from third year Chris Powiley. She talks about consciously developing relationships, reframing business development as a priority, and listening to understand your clients. Chris, which of your personal strengths or habits have allowed you to be successful in working to develop business, either with current clients? Which of those personal strengths do you think will pay off down the road as you look to develop business with clients? I've always sort of considered myself more of a big picture strategy thinker than someone who's very attuned to small details. I think that having more of a big picture outlook really helps when it comes to things like understanding how these relationships are important, you know, over the months, over the years, over one's career. Networking and building those relationships is something that takes a lot of time and you kind of have to have this sense of how the pieces may fit together down the road or in a larger sense, focusing on what you're doing in the moment at hand. What skills, as you do take on business development responsibilities, what skills do you think you might need to develop? Reframing it as a priority, perhaps, is something that I should start thinking more about. With any job, it's important to build networks internally and externally. Certainly, I think the first few years of one's career are more focused on building those internal networks. I have to make sure to actively remind myself to not just stick with perhaps the internal networking that I feel more comfortable with or that's more well-practiced at this point and focused on looking outwards a bit more. Just more of a shift in focus, I think, is, is something that I need to start thinking about a bit more. 
You've had the experience of being in client meetings and, and being in pitches. Has anyone given you any advice that you were like, wow, that is great advice? Any advice that really resonated for you? One piece of advice that I received early on is that you should always try to spend more time and effort in these situations listening than you do presenting. I think that when it comes to business development, when it comes to pitching new clients, when you're preparing, you do put the time and effort into thinking about what's my pitch? How am I going to sell myself? That analysis does go on. I think a misstep is perhaps then once you're in the actual setting, instead of engaging the person that you're with and, you know, having a conversation, listening to what they're saying, what they want to get out of the situation and really being attuned to that, you know, you spend too much time going through your lines that you've prepped or the points you want to get across. That doesn't create meaningful connection in the way that really engaging with someone, listening, having a conversation does. So I've always tried to keep that in mind. It's an interesting point and a, and a really strong one, especially in that type of environment or any, frankly, any client environment, but one where you're really listening to understand what they're trying to accomplish. It's interesting, Chris, it's the reason where, where I go into meetings, I, I don't take that many notes. I write down some words. Part of what I'm doing is make sh- making sure that I'm actually listening and understanding. As you look around, whether it's at your current firm at people you know in the space, people that you've watched at private equity events, strong in business development. Is there a particular person or a particular style that you can see yourself emulating down the road? I always really appreciate in others when they're just themselves and they're coming across as being very genuine. And I think you can kind of think about that in these situations. Everyone has their own style. Everyone is going to become their own kind of lawyer, their own kind of advisor. At the end of the day, that's how you do build these relationships. And that's what keeps them strong is I know exactly what Chris is about. I know what she stands for. It's about knowing myself, trying to be true and honest to myself and not present something totally different than who I really am. That's something that I'm focused on and I always appreciate the most when I get to watch sort of more senior people and mentors of mine go out there and, and do this. Like I like watching them and being like, oh yeah, that's exactly so-and-so. Like That's completely consistent with what I know of them as a person that I work with every day. That's a really great observation and point. You can create a brand. You can create a an image to go to market with. You can create something that isn't 100% core to who you are as a person. But over time, what's likely going to come out is who you are 100%, who you are you know, at your core as a person. You might as well go with that and, and make adjustments. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did. Tune in next week to hear from Paula Lack Davis on lawyers and resilience and the difference between resilience and grit. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Left Foot. For information on our podcast, our 12-session business development challenge, and our online business development coursework, visit leftfoot.com. It takes focus and thought to lead with the left foot. Until next time. Thank you.